Stephen Temple is a I'm a bookseller. <laughs> Longtime bookseller. Iconic bookseller. Specializing in Canadian literature, but not the canon. The lost what I call our lost literature. And I have some out here to show you just what I'm uh, really up to these days. Well, why don't we start with that, and then I've got some books that I've brought in, and uh, we can just sort of discuss your thinking pattern when you see a book coming in from, from someone, what goes through your mind, uh, how, you, how you think you're going to price it, so why, you, why you might price it that way, that kind of thing. You okay we can with that? try. Well, we can try. I, I certainly uh, don't know today's prices for every book. I'm really quite out of touch with a lot of your hmm? pri your prices. What, what you would what you think you would put up on a on a book? I guess you'd have to research it a bit. I, I do comparison to see where things are. I like to try and find a kind of a middle ground. I don't like to be the one that sets the highest price or the lowest price. Yeah. I just try to. Uh, find what I call the consensus of informed opinion on the internet. It takes a little knowing to know who who might be reliable, whose judgment you would pay any attention to, and others are sort of obvious idiots or people you don't know anything about, you know, and there's so much follow the leader on the on the internet. A lot of these guys are they're just drawing all of their insights or whatever from somebody else they're parasitic because they don't have they haven't been in the trade for real and they haven't seen trends mm -hmm. you know especially with modern modern first uh, i sort of shy away from fairly recent books because uh awful lot of speculation goes on you know and i look and say what are you talking a thousand bucks for that Mm -hmm. that book I mean here's all these great Joseph Conrads I have they're not that much money what are you talking about you know and mm -hmm. eventually with time a lot of uh, things do find kind of a reality you know a price that it, what it might sell at and often it's radically less than some chancer who throws it up and runs it up the flagpole and mm -hmm. see who's going to salute and well, you know, in my in the old days, uh, before the internet, collectors kind of uh, there was a certain, you know, say a fire under your butt. I better buy this now because I might not see it again, you know. Mm -hmm. But now they know that. Well, you know, I'll just wait. You know, I'll find one at a price I want to pay. I don't. What's the rush? You know. Well, not everything, but a lot of stuff. Yeah, you know, it's online and uh, there's less urgency then than there was before. Mm -hmm. Less urgency, less. That's less, right. Uh, yeah, yeah. Motivation to buy. Yeah, I mean, yeah. then uh, sometimes you get something that's truly rare, truly wonderful. You might sell it sooner than in the old days, you know. But mm -hmm. a lot of stuff, uh, you know, there's no urgency about it particularly. And the other thing too is, you know, some books will take. Years, three, oh, four, decades. five to sell, right? And there's nothing wrong with the book or even that you've got it at an inflated price. It's just mm -hmm. there's a limited number of people want that book at any price. And, uh, uh, you know, there are other copies to choose from. And uh, it just languishes. 
A lot of what I do, the stuff never goes online. My secrets, my special lost literature, I buy a lot of it online, but I don't put it online. I am not going to tip my hand why you could get money for this book, why it might matter. That's the thing, isn't it? Because then I'd never be able to buy it again. Because because your understanding of that book, that as soon as you put it online, everyone will see that and bump their prices. Exactly, up, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. I'll never be able to buy it. I just bought, you know, Frank Pruitt, the uh, Ontario Toronto poet who went off to England, fought in the war, got invalided out, knew Sassoon and Graves, and knew everybody. Public, Hogarth published one of his collections. Heinemann did another. Graves did his possum, edited his posthumous collected. Like, I think he's what you call a Georgian poet. He, mm-hmm. A traditional poet, but of some merit. And he had some admirers. At any rate, he wrote one novel. And it's a novel about the Luddites. And it was published in the 30s. 30s fiction can be difficult. If I had another life to live, I might just specialize in 30s fiction because there's so many rarities because of the economic conditions. Just a lot of stuff published in the 30s. Good luck in finding copies in any condition. Mm -hmm. So anyway, I just bought a copy on the net from England in a jacket. I've had it twice before, no jacket. I got a very good price for those jacketless copies. Here comes one for a buck and a quarter from England. Just a steal for me. Because they just didn't know. Just well, one. he's not totally unknown. If you just no, but the uh, the seller obviously had no idea. Yeah, and I guess I guess I mean he charged a hundred and twenty-five dollars for it. He may have had some idea, or maybe not. A lot of well, what these guys do, and it drives me crazy, is no copies online today. Must be a valuable book. This really kills me in this Canadian lost Canadian literature stuff I do because I can't. There's a lot of stuff I need. I'd like to buy, but they've got it priced too high, you know, and for no good reason except there was no copy online. So when they put it up at a price that I can't buy it, it's a specialist. So it drives me crazy sometimes. That's what you hear all over the place is that uh, that booksellers will, will check it online and if there's only a couple copies there, they're happy and they 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 put theirs online and, and put the price up just yeah, because, as you say. A lot of these newbies don't understand the fundamental principle of rare books. Rarity alone does not make a book valuable. Uh, it's a combination of things. Not, not rarity... In isolation, and I often make this absurd uh, example. What about my last month's gas bill? It's an extraordinarily rare printed document. In fact, it's unique. Mm-hmm. So, what's it worth? Well, it isn't worth anything because it isn't important, and nobody, including me, wants it. It isn't worth anything, but it's as rare as you're going to get. So, rarity alone. Just all by itself is not the primary factor. You get some funny old novel and there's no copies online. That doesn't mean it's worth a hundred dollars. Well, there has to be a story attached to it, right? And you and have that's to have a job. hook. Yeah. yeah, I can tell a story about this novel, and, and it matters uh, to us. You know, outside of Canada, maybe not so much. But hey, he's a known quantity, Frank Pruitt. A lot of 
the guys know of them. What do you mean, the guys? The librarians? No, I mean the, the better dealers, the pros, you know, I see. literary specialists that yeah. kind of has some judgment and sense of history and so on. The more knowledge you have about this subject area, the, the more finds you're going to make. Absolutely. And you can walk into a store where no one would realize that that book is worth anything yep. except for you. Yep. Which and makes I, it exciting. I, it, well, that's what I like about what I'm doing is I have virtually no competition. And it's really unknown territory for the most part. I'm the bibliographer. I make the first stab at, at making some bibliographical notes. What color of the cloth? Do you notice a cancel in it somewhere? Uh, what's the story? And then after years go by, you start having more than one copy of this you say that's hey that's a little different mm-hmm. from the uh, why is that why are there two colors of the binding is there any priority uh, uh, why does this thing have a canceled title leaf things like that and I'm like there's really almost no reference I can turn to I'm on my own I'm a pioneer and I like that so uh, what's it worth it's worth what I say it is because yeah, right. you're the expert to, there's nothing to compare it to <laughs> yes <laughs> Um, so those are some of those sorts of things, and they yeah. all have stories. Well, let's have a let's have a look at some of them. Alrighty, I just sold those to a library. This whole that stack. stack, yeah. I left them out before I packed them, just so we could some of my. I think they're cool. Yeah, uh, this guy is of no great importance. He's Toronto. Uh, he wrote a lot of crime novels. Published in England. Guy Morton. Morton. He also wrote under a pseudonym. But, you know, that's a pretty difficult book to find in Dust Jacket. It's not all over the place without Dust Jacket because he wasn't a big seller, you know, an obscurity. But he was a Canadian. And look at that. I haven't heard of this publishing house. It's Skeffington and so. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, their imprints uh, are not as common as Murray or Shadow or some of the big names. I don't know how long they lasted. But a lot of this genre fiction, you'll run into these lesser publishers, and they can be devilishly uh, hard to track down, you know. Mm-hmm. Most of the print run would have gone to lending libraries. Not so many people would have walked in a bookstore and bought that book. This is a religious... Grant Balfour, a minor writer, he wrote other things. Mother of St. Nicholas, well, she was a, a Christian martyr. You know, St. Nicholas uh, was, what, from Asia Minor. And this is a novelization of her her life. I can't remember her name, but it's a pretty scarce book. Where's she from? Well, he's... Con- she, the, the mother, where's the mother of St. Nicholas? Who well, was she, the, I guess, Asia Minor. The, oh, okay. I don't okay. know what century St. Nicholas flourished in, but... Uh, the, so the connection to Canada is that the author... Author is a Canadian, okay. otherwise there is no connection. Uh, yeah, okay. And so, and what's his story? Uh, I don't know. I don't know a lot about him. Uh, you know where he never lived? looked into it and see if there's anything interesting about him particularly. You just you most just, of the books I've seen by him are kind of eh, bordering on religious fiction or the pretty minor. You know, maybe mm-hmm. there's a story. I just don't happen to know it. I've never looked into it. But again, the the the, the story that sold this book is that he's Canadian. That's it. Well, it's going to a library. Not many libraries have that title. So 
the few that sort of want everything I see. And that that fills I don't have to make a case for its merit, nor did I price it ter- what did I put on that? Fifty or sixty dollars. Mm-hmm. In a huge where was this published? Oh, pool publishing. They weren't in business very long. Toronto. So how did you learn about him in the first place? Sit down with the reference book. Waters Checklist of Canadian Literature is my Bible. Yeah. I go through that thing and what's this? What's this? I just heard of that. And then I can look at libraries, the few little, like University of Toronto. Mm -hmm. Well, they don't have a copy. Can I find a copy that's decent condition that that I can buy? Because, you know, I have a sense of this can't be a $500 book. I couldn't even see it being a $100 book, but maybe. But, you know, there's... This guy's not the limit, you know. Compared, you know, he's not important so far as I know. He's just Canadian, and they want all Canadian. That's right. That's right. You know. Okay. Then there's uh, that's uh, sort of another uh, very minor figure published in uh, what is that? Saint Jean, Quebec. Saint Jean, Quebec. Yeah, at Saint John's, spelt in the English way. Yeah, Saint John's. Quebec, yeah. the new steam printing house, 1877, yeah. a novel by W.H. Brown. She might have done better yeah, in two I, volumes. I think he published a couple of other novels. Again, I don't really I have, know if there's any story about him particularly. That's sort of a mechanical uh, process or something like that. You know, be scarce enough. Yeah. So you found this, and again... He's Canadian. That, that anything else? In that case, I don't have a story uh, yeah. other than. But it, 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 that sells it. Just the fact he's Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Now there's a story there. What have we got? The Martyr of the Catacombs. We do. James DeMille, anonymous. I knew of that title. I think it's his first novel. Saint John, New Brunswick professor. He, his novels are pretty popular in this day in the 19th century. He wrote a series of boys called the Brethren of the White Cross, kind of adventure yarns. He wrote the strange manuscript found in a copper cylinder, one of the relatively few uh, fantasy novels of 19th century Canada about a lost race at the South Pole. And he wrote a a lot of novels, frankly. And And he was a prophet in New Brunswick. Yeah. And he's he's published by Carlton and Porter out of New York. <laughs> yeah, that's his first one. That's pretty scarce. I'm not sure if I've had one before. And again, you're one of the few people on earth that would realize that uh, when you saw this, that this is the Martyr of the Catacombs rings a bell with me. Yeah, now I might have to. Who wrote that? You know, but the the title stuck in my brain. There's a Montrealer, Alan Sullivan. Yeah, he won a GG. Yeah. This one's called The Jade Yeah, God. Oriental Mystery. Uh, he wrote a lot of kind of, you know, popular fiction. It's a few with supernatural themes. So this has a little supernatural content. Oriental kind of. So that would appeal to, first of all, any, any organization or person that's interested in Canadian, but also f- fantasy. I think the Merrill Collection has it. I I didn't look because I've only recently reestablished after, well, I've only recently been able to sell them anything after all these years. Because? 
because of the librarian they had. She's gone now, thank God. <laughs> See, <laughs> allegedly, I could never get anywhere. I'd offer things and get no answer. And I was told, it was, she only likes to buy from select dealers. And I never sold anything. This woman is, is interesting. And there's, there's finally a book on her, Lily Dougal. She was uh, spent most of her career in Scotland. She was a biblical scholar and a bit of a philosopher and a bit of a feminist. And there's a hint she may have been lesbian. It's not really clear. She lived with another woman for many years, but they could have just been friends. Mm. doesn't matter. She's a serious writer focused on the Christian narrative, but not mainstream. She has different takes on it. Mm-hmm. She wrote a number of novels and a, and a number of uh, non-fiction books of a f- religious philosophical theme. And now there's a book on her. So she's not a nobody. This one I like a lot. Yeah, it's a handsome looking book. Set in Quebec, it's it's a Queen's Quorum title. You know, Ellery Queen way back wrote a book of what he considered the most important detective novels up to his time. And this is a Queen's Quorum title. Set in Quebec, the author is British. The only backwoods detective, I think he characterized it. Uh, kind of a rough, rough and ready, backwoods kind of guy. Fairly scarce, and that's a lovely copy. Kind of a precursor to uh, Louise Penny. I don't well, know what connection, other than they both write mystery stories. Set in Quebec. I think, oh, okay, well... I don't. I think that's his only crime novel. He wrote nonfiction, uh, travel and exploration stuff. Kind of an adventurer, I think. Uh, so I was really pleased with that one. I think you know you're you're setting an example not just for other booksellers, but for for book lovers uh, generally. And that is, you know, investigate the books you have. It's fun. Take a different path. There's too yeah. many. People decide they want to collect books and they just go down the same well-trod paths, which means, you know, the highlights are going to be expensive. Yeah. Explore something different. Uh, well, so what, yeah, what you've done is I, you've identified a period, let's say, the, well, prior to the 30s, and, and Canadian writers that there isn't much research on. So no. what kind of, what kind of think, using that kind of thinking, what, what else could... Could people go after? Well, I've often suggested, why don't more people collect books about their profession? Why don't dentists collect books on dentistry, accountancy? They all have a history. It can be pretty interesting if you bother to dig into it, if you actually like your profession. Show some imagination. I mean, so many times I've had young collectors, I'd like to collect modern first edition. I want Hemingway, Faulkner, and... Mm-hmm. And Fitzgerald say, well, you know, <laughs> you got a lot of money. <laughs> That's right. It's been done before. Yeah. <laughs> now, this guy, Robert and James, his brother, who didn't write so much, but Robert Barr was from Ontario. He went worked for the Detroit Free Press for a while. Then he went off to England, and he wrote a lot. I think one uh, there's one important crime novel, some with supernatural elements. A lot of them are just straight fiction of various quality. He knew all the boys, Conan Doyle and 
the popular writers of his. Oh, he's a good B-string writer. Anybody eh? yep. who's prolific. Uh, most of his books are not set in Canada. If you are, yeah, I noticed the, that this book belonged to Thane uh, Benedict of Iona, Michigan. Oh yeah, he he did pretty well in the marketplace. Uh, but it's popular. This guy is really interesting. This is uh, Alvin Schwartz, the blowtop. He was an American, and he wrote for the comics, comic books. And who did he? What was his big character that he created? One you've heard of? Any rate, he spent his last forty years in Canada. He did some work for the National Film Board, and uh, this is possibly the first consciously existential American novel. The murderer, the, the guy who gets killed is a small-time uh, marijuana dealer in the village. Uh, this was a, this novel was a bit raw. Uh, not everybody wanted to publish it. Marijuana Kerouac, back in, the, in 1948 is yeah. pretty... Uh, Kerouac and Ginsberg knew that book and were inspired by it. Wow. How'd you find that out? Were you reading about the beach? You just sort of came across that? or I don't recall exactly how I came to, to uh, learn about this guy. But he's, he's kind of known, and uh, some of the American dealers know of him. This guy was a distinguished Crown attorney in uh, Toronto. J. M. Kennedy. Yeah. And he wrote a few crime novels. This one is, what is that, some murder in reverse, hey? Crime in reverse, yeah. Crime, yeah, the, the attorney did it. Uh. And the story is about him kind of framing up his client for the crime. And apparently the courtroom stuff is fairly accurate because he was a somewhat distinguished attorney. And he did other things. Uh, it's published by Thomas Nelson and Sons. Yeah. How did that work? Is it, because then it's London, Edinburgh, Paris, Melbourne. You know, this is where they've got Toronto and New York. That's where they got their offices. Where would this have been uh, produced then? London. London. Okay. Usually the first place that the imprint is displayed. Not always. Sometimes they put London in the middle. Yeah. But you know, it's Nelson was a you know British. a London main, but, main stream British publisher, and he's not going to. They, they had a presence in Canada, didn't they? Yeah. And I'm not sure if there was a Canadian issue of that or not, mm -hmm. you know, where they take the British sheets and put a, a Toronto title page on it. They yeah. had an agency here. Oh, we got here. This is kind of obscure. I Mrs. Think, Coghill and Mrs. Stevenson. Yeah, but. there's two novels and one in there. Okay. And you'll find her, no great... Merit, but she's a, I think she was originally Irish and she was over here a while and, and went back, uh, to, well, to England. Mm -hmm. Um, that's set in England, it's just kind of kind of scarce. I've had it before. What's funny here is that she goes by in bold type, she goes by Mrs. Harry Coghill, her, her husband. And then in small writing, in brackets, Annie L. Walker. Yeah. So it's just a sign of the times there. Yeah, it's probably kind of pie, pious fiction uh, mm -hmm. of the time. But you'll find there's a, a nice website of uh, 
I think, hosted out of Simon Fraser, early Canadian women writers, and I often learn things there. Because mm -hmm. there's not a lot known about some of these people. What have we got there? Oh, J John Mackay. He was British. He was came over. He was a Mountie for a few years. Went back. But most of his novels are set in the Canadian Northwest, such as this one. This is called The, the Rising of the Red Man. It's about the uh, Riel Rebellion. A novel about the Riel Rebellion? Yeah, there was... Quite a few a of number of those. That's great. And what's this? That's a Cop. Cooper and Beatty uh, Christmas greeting giveaway kind of. It's an extract from one of Lee Cox's books. I forget which one. It's just a nice, you know, production. Yeah, they were uh, design printing. Yeah, they were really very good. Yeah. Well, they had Alan Fleming, didn't they, working for him? May have done. You know. Yeah. When, when were they active? They, I think they went into the 60s, maybe early 70s, from kind of mid-century, I think. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly. But, in, you know, an interesting printing house of quality. So there's that. Okay. Uh, maybe a couple out of here. That These are the ones I didn't get an order for this time. I'll have to move on to another... What do you do? Do you, put this, do you put this together in a kind of a catalog and send it out to people you it's think a, might be interested? Well, one at a time. Oh, um, one at a time. So you're marked for a particular library. I know they don't have it or apparently don't have it. And uh, so I don't, you know, they're really not available until they let me know. This guy, uh, there's not much to comment on him. It's a beautiful no. cover, a, a jacket. It, it is. It's Isn't very it? nice. Yeah. You got think, I think you wrote, well, there is one of his books, and I don't wish they'd have bought it. This looks like it's BK. That's the artist, right? I pondered who might have done that work, but I expect it was Brit British, and I don't know. Yeah. It's uh, it's lovely. There's sort of a little pond and a little cottage in the background. Yeah, he wrote, two of his novels have supernatural overtones. Leslie Reed, and this one's called Salt Acres. Yeah. And, and this is, what, set in Canada? No, or he's none Canadian. of his books were. He's a Canadian. This is published by Dutton in New York. Yeah. It's the American edition. Right. It's a handsome one. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Now that's interesting. Yeah, that's striking. That's this a Spanish Civil War novel by Ted Allen. Lies My Father Told Me. Scalpel and the Sword, the biography of Bethune. Yeah. He was uh, he fought in the Mac Paps in the war. Uh, I'm trying to think of their other Canadian Spanish Civil War novels. If there are, I can't think of them. It's called This Time a Better Earth. Yeah. And uh, again, you you find most of these online. Uh -huh. Just basically people putting them up because they don't know what they are. Well, it's. A, where are you going to find old fiction in stores these days? You don't see it. When I no. started, there were places I could go that had funny old fiction in quantity, but they're, they're not around anymore. There's another Robert Barr. That's a beautiful glorious, cover. Glorious copy. Ward Locke, yeah, publisher. They, they did a lot of... Lord Stranley, philanthropist. Mm -hmm. That's Yeah, that's gorgeous. There's uh, gold uh, gilt or... On the cover, a lot of sort of square, small squares yeah, pattern. That that 
was used on several titles that particular design. Okay. So we don't need to talk about all of them. No, no. This one is one of the more important novels by a Canadian woman of the time. Apparently she wasn't really that gifted as a writer, but it had serious intent. It, it has some place in Canadian women's studies. It's quite a hefty, it's like 500 pages, yeah. and her name is Margaret. It's not a big rarity. I think I have another copy or two downstairs. Okay, Margaret A. Brown. Yeah, that's her only book, I believe. A Lady of the Snows. Well, this one needs no introduction. Yeah, there's Lucy Maud. The British retitling and the, the, the American titles and the Wendy Poplars. As if that's going to sell more, I guess, down there. That's the thinking, obviously. The, the publisher is a little worried about Wind and the Willows out at about the same time, and so mm-hmm. the Americans wanted a different title. That's a good And uh, that's a British edition. Mm-hmm. I happen to have a proof copy of it, the only proof of a Montgomery book I've ever seen in my whole career, mm-hmm. which I'm hoping to sell. What's this other one here? Uh, here we go. No, we have to stop here. Oh, good. Okay. Generals Die in Bed by James Yale Harrison. One and a half dozen best World War I novels. It's pretty... In rough. your humble opinion. Not just my opinion. Uh, he was an American, but he came up to Montreal, worked for the newspaper there, fought with the Canadians in the war. There's a pretty harrowing scene in there of him bayonetting... Uh, a German soldier who's probably 14 years old and the guy's begging him and his brother's down the trench and he's dying too. And then there's this story toward the end, the Canadians liberate Arras and uh, they come in the town. They've been on the forced march for a couple of days with not much to eat. And the town is deserted, but the shops are full of ham and wine so the Canadians kind of helped themselves a bit. They, they, <laughs> the officers were not pleased, but the buggers <laughs> were hungry, and there it was, and they probably deserved it. They didn't, you know, burn the town down. They just broke a few shop windows and got a little drunk up. Well, who can blame them? I would have too. I've never seen this uh uh, publisher before either. This is Noel Douglas, 1930. That's right. he, he went, and that's the true first, and he wasn't around very long. That's a neat little uh, colophon or logo they've got. It mm-hmm. looks like a, a flamingo, eh? That's right. Call that a flamingo? Yeah. See that uh, the penguins aren't as original as you might think. This is a flamingo back in 1930. So, And of course, this uh, is a classic Who Has Seen the Wind? So what's special about this one? It's the American first. Okay. It, they chopped about 7,000 words off it, out of the text. And that text was what was used to reprint that book until when in the 80s they finally brought out in Canada the full original text. You know, it's a lot scarcer than the Canadian issue, mm-hmm. the edition, and um, textually significant. So, but the first Canadian came out in the same year, forty-seven. Yeah, but, but what? what no, the text was the complete text. That's right. Okay. But when they went to reprint this book for mass consumption, they used the American text. 
They meaning the Canadian publisher. Yeah, yeah. Everybody who who was the Canadian publisher, uh, Macmillan, I think. Yeah, I don't okay. later on. Uh, so it's a classic uh, whose real text was only restored late, but that's the text most people read. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that one doesn't need any comment. A dog story. Okay. By a Canadian. Grand Allen, one of my favorites. From uh, Wolf Island. Yeah, he left Canada early. Yeah. And, uh, you know, knew everybody. Uh, was fairly prolific and interesting. He was a free thinker and a real promoter of Charles Darwin. And, uh, you know, had some scientific bent, although no particular training. And a lot of his novels are forgettable, but some of them are... There's a couple that are supernatural that are really sought after. And uh, important uh, crime fiction. This is the new Amsterdam book company. Mm -hmm. What's the story on them? Do you know? Well, they were prolific in the day, the great days of the piracy and fiction up, up to the 90s where there was international copyright. There were all kinds of cheap yep. publishers, uh, you know, New Amsterdam, and oh, there's a ton of them, you know. And that was mainly the kind of stuff you'd see from them, this pirated, what's that... This is uh, Tilda Jane's Oh, Marshall Sandals. Beautiful Joe. She wrote a ton of dog novels. Okay. Uh, so this is another dog story. <laughs> and here's the, the most interesting Leslie Reed. The other ones aren't, but that one... Cauldron yeah, Bubble. Yeah, that's solidly SF fantasy and pretty scarce. And it's signed. And it's by Galance, 1934. Yeah. Hmm. And the most common of all Canadian books is that book. However, the, it's Canada, the foundations they like, of its future. They've been like 150,000 of them over the years. Stephen Lee It's a Seagram's giveaway. Yeah. But this is the limited issue, which ain't so common. I think there may have been 400 of those, and you got this padded leather. Uh, and some of them, old Sam Bronfman signed and Leacock signed and... It's a nice book, but yeah. completely unsaleable in the regular edition. It's, it's a private and limited edition. So who who printed this? Do you know Seagrams well, themselves? Like no, they, no, no, no. I had Lovell or someone like that printed, or I'm sure the printer's name there somewhere. Okay, I don't remember. But they okay. paid for it. It's a nice production. Yeah. So the most common Canadian book, but an uncommon. Edition. Okay, so let's. Yeah, let's. Do, I'll just quickly ask you though, how, what's it like to to live in Welland, uh, in your home, and operate out of your home compared to on Queen Street? Yeah. Yeah. In Spadina. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of a hot house. <laughs> For many many years. Let's say it's much quieter. <laughs> Very much quieter. Not so much walking traffic. Book, this is not a bookish town. This is no part of the Rust Belt. So much industry was here and it's gone now. Uh, it's kind of the Sahara, the Bozart, and uh, Minkins memorable phrase. No books around here that I can see. I thought there might be down the peninsula here an older 
part of uh, Ontario settled, uh, you know. I'm not finding any books here at all. Yeah, in terms of estate sales and stuff like that? Yeah, I, mean, I yeah. go to a little auction in St. Catharines, and you know, yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. And once in a while, somebody will call me to to look at their books. I you know, look at the Kijiji listings and what they're flogging is just dreck, you know. Yeah. Uh, I thought there might be some books here, and maybe there are somewhere, but I haven't seen gotten wind of them and uh, my buddy down in Port Coburn tends to get if there's anything happening he tends to get first call because he's been there a long long time and that's Richard sure Richard Shoe yeah. Shoe Richard yeah. Shoe yeah yeah so okay he uh the odd time he gets something out of Welland but okay. it's not a great hunting ground and that's a, I mean, that's a, a part of it, certainly. You want new books coming in so you can refresh your your list, right? Yeah, well, you know, booksellers love to buy above all else. Well, in fact, uh, that was the great focus. fun when I unwrap one of these things and I get to play with it for a little while. Yeah. Then I, then I forget about it. But <laughs> Okay, well, let's just turn to... Uh, to some books that I've brought in for you to have a look at, and if you right. you want them, and we're able to do some kind of trade. Oh, you, these are for sale. Is that what you're saying? I thought you I, wanted comment on. Them. I want comment on them. If you if you if you're interested in them, then then I'm happy to do a something with you. If you're not, if you're not, we won't. Well, we'll have a look and see. Sure. This actually is just for you to. Well, let's just see here. Uh, I, of course, I'm a, a book hunter. And uh, and I just found uh, I just found these uh, in Hamilton in a little bookstore in Hamilton, and they're first editions. And I know I got a you know I know I got a pretty good deal on them. However, uh, and I'll just say they're they're uh, part of uh, Anthony Powell's Dance the Music of Time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's your what's your thought on how these have fared over the years what you want's the first three because because they're scarce much more common the further along you go yeah because it became more and more popular obviously right yeah kind of, Th know, these are the later ones I yeah that's the, right yeah yeah yeah, it's sort of so-so copies, so you can often find these really sharp. Uh, but yeah, I may have, I'll have to go look and see if I already have one of those or some of them. Yeah. But they're potentially of interest to me. Yeah. Because because there's a, a good demand for them all the time. There is a demand, and he's important, and uh, they're kind of handsome books. They're, well, the covers are just gorgeous, and I think the guy's name is Broom, isn't it? Uh, where does it say that? Broom Lynn. Yeah, yeah. That's right. as I say, I, uh, I I only paid about ten to fifteen bucks for each yeah, of them, yeah. and I might, I mean, I might just want to have them for a year or so, just to fondle them and look at them. But depending on what what the trade-in value is, then you know, the the idea typically is what you would give someone a quarter, twenty percent, or a quarter of what you might sell it for. It or? depends on the desirability. Uh, these would kind of be on the low end because a they're not sterling copies, not no. so bad. Um, they're what like very good, very good. Yeah, basically, in this one, it's sun, but it probably usually is. 
Uh, and again, they're the, the later ones. I probably have a... A ton of them, eh? See that it's cocked there? Let's do something about that. Okay. What Stephen is doing is he's running his finger every, what, 20 pages or so down the middle. From the back forward. This is to uh -huh. take out a lean. It doesn't always work. Sometimes you got to do it a few times. You've made some it, progress. You did, yeah. We may not be able to get it all out. And sometimes uh, you'll mess them up if they're the certain kinds of bindings they'll crack. <laughs> right. It's like you don't do this <laughs> with a paperback yes. or anything bound like that. Yeah. There's another one. There's another one. There. I just bought this because I love this book, and I know you love Larkin. This is uh, this is a Phil Larkin's essays uh, yeah. required writing. Right. Uh, there's some great right. stuff in here, and of course he's known for that book he wrote on jazz as well. Yeah, he missed the boat. He was strictly from Dixieland, and he had no understanding of modern jazz. I, he's very knowledgeable about his period, but it's not a period I care about. But you love his poetry. His poetry, yeah. I, yeah. I probably have that. I have a little Larkin collection. I'm sure yeah. I must have the, a copy of that. Okay, and, and you're going to see one or two of, of books that I bought from you maybe about 10 or 15 years ago. Oh Just because I know <laughs> you said that. I feel obligated to buy them. <laughs> Things change. Yeah, they certainly do. Well, sometimes they go up, right? Sometimes. That's signed, yeah. Yeah. I bet you there's a lot of these. I'll bet you they're online at 30 to 150. I, I shy away from the modern, modern stuff. You know, it's yeah. too much online. Unless I lowball it. Yeah. You want to make a decent profit off it, And they're right? not interesting for me. These things are interesting yeah. for me. The stories are way There's, more interesting. Yeah, I'm finding out. But yeah. what's to know everybody? I don't even know this author. Who is this? Steve Erickson? He's regarded as a important... Uh, I never heard of him. Yeah. Like I told you, I'm really out of touch with... Volman, I think his currency is kind of down, I think. You yeah. Know. Yeah, I Grabby Naipaul would, would that's yours. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah he's he's a good one, and, and he's di he died with quite recently. And that's the British edition, which is the preferred edition. No thanks. Okay, and he said no to Ruth Prower Havla Heat and Dust. Now that won the Booker, but did it? It did. Let's yeah. See what I know. We'll have a look at it and see. That might save it. Okay, Alice Monroe. Well, underpriced. Yeah, unless it's signed. No, uh, it's not. No. I just have a bunch of uh, ones on consignment from an old customer, plus I had my own. Sadly, she's hard to sell. Isn't it weird? She just won the Nobel. Yeah. It's just weird. I'm trying to get $500 for her first book in Canada. Yeah. Can't do it. Yeah, well, that's the story of Canadian literature, isn't it? There's, there isn't that much demand out Yeah, but there I mean, for... she supersedes the normal, but I never found her very easy to sell. It's a real heartache for me. Is Margaret Atwood easier to sell? No. No. You know, her books sell very well new, but I've never seen any much aftermarket for her. It's more readers than collectors. Yeah. I currently uh, just brought in a, a Handmaid's Tale and Edible Woman, which... I uh, certainly probably will, well, might be able to sell The Handmaid's Tale. I'll have a fancy price on it. But mm. 
That's because it's in fine, fine condition. Signed. It's that and it's signed, but it's because of, you know, it's an iconic book now, you know. Yeah, well, especially Edible now. woman will languish. Uh, you know, I've got her first uh, book, a book of poetry. Uh, and, you know, I've had it quite a while. I had to pay a whack of money for it, but I didn't really want to do it. But What's that one? That's the, the one she made herself? Stephanie, Stephanie. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I got a nice copy, but, it'll, you know, it's expensive and... Mm-hmm. I've you know I've had it a number of times before. It doesn't jump off the shelf. Those are worth what two or three thousand bucks, more. Yeah, depending, yeah, somewhere in there, you know. Right. Yeah. That's Stephen. Uh, yeah, I think this one Stephen is G- GG. That is a GG, yeah. Yeah, but no one cares. Nothing. <laughs> Cakes and ale, a famous one, but a kind of a fairly common title of his. Right. Uh, and Mom isn't really that Somerset much Mom, collected yeah. these days. Nice jacket, though. Yeah, you see it in jacket. This is the American. Mm. The British would be better, but I'm indifferent to it. That I'm. This is the Blind Assassin by Margaret Atwood. Atwood signed a lot. She's always she been did. very generous with her signature, and it doesn't really cut that much ice, uh, frankly. And did this win the, the Booker? One of them did. I think I don't know if this did or not. I think it might have. I don't think I won a Booker, but damn it if I remember. It's a lousy memory sometimes. These are just uh, just little poetry books. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's of interest to you or not. These are those Canadian poet poets. Not especially. Yeah, she's, you know... Has a reasonably good reputation, you know. Mm-hmm. You can't get serious money for them, you know. They're like ten bucks, fifteen bucks. Exactly. Kind of I mean, that's the kind of thing that would go into a, a store, right? Yeah, that's right. Mm, I just uh, I, this is in such lovely condition. I just uh, I just love this, but you've probably seen it all over the place. Yeah, that's a nice copy. But no one cares. You know, it's a really nice copy. Yeah, I think I just lo- I just like the book itself, so I might just keep that one. Yeah. Just because it's in such might as nice well. Shape. You're not going to get enough money for it to to be of any real interest to you. Oh, here we are. Now this is a faded spine. This incident we were just we were just talking about the golden treasury of Canadian verse. There's a Larkin, his collected like poems, him. but. But again, that's pretty common. I'm, I'm yeah, it, you know, it doesn't fetch a big premium. Uh, it's worth something. It always will be. Fifty-five pounds. My word. Yeah, I got ripped off. It's a bit high. Uh, yeah. Uh, what's the story on Joseph Boyden? Is he uh, tanked, or did you ever sell any of his stuff? I never really got involved much. It's uh, again, it's a sort of recent stuff. I guess this is the main one, isn't it? That's the, yeah, that's the important one. What's that called again? Three Day Road. Yeah. I really haven't had experience particularly with him. Here's another Booker, Hotel du Lac yeah. by Anita Bruckner. Yeah, I may have one of those. I'm not sure. I'll have a look. And another Graham Swift I don't much care about. Yeah, I think this won the Booker, but. Did it? And so did this, but you see this quite often. The God of Small Things. Yeah, right, you do. This Bloodletting and Miraculous Cures. 
Who's that? That's a Giller. That's Vincent Lamb. All right. Yeah, yeah. I've heard of that song. And it's signed. No. Okay. This is one of the books I bought from you 10, 15 years ago. Nice copy. Yeah. So you notice your writing. But I got rid of all my Patrick Whites to an Australian dealer because I got sick of them just sitting there. And it wasn't a big, pretty nice copy. Yeah. True first. But... Patrick White, you get the earliest ones, they're pretty scarce, and I guess they, this doesn't sell, this is common, nice copy. Okay. Peter Carey. Uh, Peter Carey, again, that, I don't know if this won the booker or not, but I know he's a, he's a two-timer, winner at least. This is signed. Well, we'll have a look. Okay, here we go. Oh, <laughs> Dante. What, uh, any comments on that? Do you, are you familiar with it? It's well, I like the illustrator, and of course it's this... Who's the illustrator? Faux, faux medieval, Eve, Evelyn Paul. Mm-hmm. It's attractive enough. Oops. Oops. That you, you've just seen a, a taped page in there? Yeah, that's... Yeah. That's, that puts that's it bad. off. That's bad. Yeah. Yeah. This yeah. is a... The illustrated books need to be near fine, or they're visual objects, and if they're not... Uh, I think this might be signed. Donald Justice, maybe. Yeah, I don't care. Don't care? <laughs> One way or the other? I'm sure he's a good enough poet. Basil Bunting. Pretty minor, huh? I'm stuck some of his stuff. Well, this is one of yours, too. <laughs> it's a new one, new edition. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's like probably online, a $25 book or something, you know. Yeah. You sold me that. Really? Yeah. Uh, looks like I did. Fairly nice. Heaney. What's that one called? District and Circle? Circle, yeah. 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 I just praised her collection. Her correspondence. It's Anne Sattelmeyer, the book is dedicated to her. Mm -hmm. He rented her cottage in County Wicklow, I think, for many, many years. Eventually she sold it to him. But they were pretty good friends. Her stuff went to Vic. And uh, had her copy of this inscribed, the dedication copy. Or they have it, I didn't have it. Mm -hmm. Great poet. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I just finished his uh, translation of uh, Beowulf. It's really good. Yeah, he had to be badgered into that. I read some of the correspondence, and he kept putting it off and putting it off. And... Okay. Here's a old Governor General's winner, the Pied Piper of Dipper Creek. Yeah, I think I have one. Okay. not really interested. Never heard of this. Is this a... Famous sociology. Yeah, book. yeah. Park. I think I've seen it for eighty, but that may that may be at the top. Yeah, I don't know anything about this. Uh, doesn't grab me really. Uh, okay. Sociology. What do I know? Right. It's kind of far removed from. Even though these days sociology and Canlet are uh, kind of connected. The dumpster fire stuff and all of that. I don't think they should be. Yeah. Okay. Um, 
What else is going on in in, the, in your world? Is there any uh, anything interesting that's uh, bugging you or exciting you? Or well, it's pretty quiet. <laughs> pretty quiet here, I must say. Uh, uh, you know, the only thing that's really terribly interesting for me is these lost Canadian novels that, that I that I like. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you know, I don't have a, a, a source. There's no books are coming to me much, you know. Uh, I, well, I've got a big, an old customer who, who had a very good collection, uh, particularly William Golding. It was his strongest. Well, he had the world's greatest Robertson Davies collection, the print collection. Print? Print books instead of manuscripts and all. There were a few... Uh, letters and things was the focus was printed okay and, and, and I steered it to the U of Toronto he had an earmark for somewhere else so I thought no 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 that's not where they need to go mm. so I have to do an appraisal of that in uh, January that's going to be uh, six figures it's really astonishing and he has he has artifacts uh, you know the family started giving him stuff he has you know, scribblers of Davies when he was seven years old, and uh, uh, all kinds of stuff like then all the books. But he was thorough, you know, all the variants he tracked and we supplied, and uh, so it's a really, really. Uh, U of T would have most of these books already, but not everything, and it w- wouldn't be organized bibliographically like this as consciously. So wouldn't they just pick what they didn't have, or do they have to take the whole thing? Well, yeah, they pretty much have to. I hope they keep it together. I don't know. They have a lot, you know. He was master at Massey, for Pete's sake. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know. I kind of talked him into it to say, you really got to do this, because this is the greatest mass ever assembled and ever will be assembled. So, at any rate, my customer who died... I uh, collected some other people with some other enthusiasms. And William Golding was probably the one he focused on the most. And in one of these bags here, I have Lord of the Flies inscribed. I have Lord of the Flies in a trial binding, maybe the fifth known copy. I have his rare as hell first book, his little poetry pamphlet. So what are you going to do with that collection? Then? I'm trying to sell it for the widow. Right. I'll be working on commission here, you know. So you'd be doing the rounds with the big American? I haven't quite decided. Uh, or what about the, the, the National Library in London? Do they, do they buy anything these days? You mean the British Library? The British Library, yeah. Would they be interested? They probably have those books. I don't I'll have to do some research to see what if there's any libraries focusing on Golding for, for just a couple of the pieces because the rest of them are, you know, they're around. There's a number of them are inscribed. That, you know, they're around. They can all be had. Yeah, yeah. There's just a couple things there that can't be had. So how how does that work then? You would uh, you would just sort of call your contacts at various libraries and say, do you have this? Do you, do you? I don't call as a rule. I, no. I uh, email, you know. Okay. So I don't quite know what I'm doing. I probably will 
catalog it all together and, and uh, maybe send out an electronic list of it. Right. Uh, rather, I don't. I don't know. I haven't decided yet. I just got this stuff, uh, so so I, you know, I've t- only taken a small portion of uh, his library for starters. You know, it's just a lot. And mm-hmm. Unfortunately, a lot of it is not rare. You know, and mm. I'm not really looking to take on thirty-five dollar books. No, uh, I don't. Mm. There's no point. Mm. But he's got. Uh, I was just doing one of the Graham. He had some Graham Green and uh, Ways of Escape. The true first is Canadian, because what's her name? Uh, Denny's was, uh, was his niece. It's Lesser Norpin Denny's. And Denny's was Graham Green's niece. So yeah. in a couple of cases, the true first is the Canadian, and such is the case with this. And they decided to do a limited edition of it, mm. 150 copies. You want to see the the first? Uh, <laughs> it's just—I don't know if I can. Let me show you. Sure. It's so incredibly ugly. You can't believe. <laughs> so this is the earliest form of this book to be published. Oh, that's pretty fancy. Look what they did with it. Jeez, it looks like a Bible. It's it looks like a, Yeah, it looks like one of those. Uh, Looks like a Gideon Bible. <laughs> so, anyway, they were going to do 150 signed and numbered, right. and they abandoned it after some sources say 20 copies, <laughs> others say 50. Okay, it's and signed. And they yeah. sold off all the rest of them yeah. to a Canadian bookseller who had them bound in uh, plain green cloth. So, that's, that's two issues. I don't know who the bookseller was. I'm going to hope to find out. Right. But this is just hideous. Sure I is. I dread cataloging that book because I, I really want to say something about how <laughs> fucking ugly it is. <laughs> 1980, Ways of Escape. Something else, eh? The yeah, yeah. Corners and weird. Bound in real. I wonder who made those you know decisions. How many gather their life for that? <laughs> no, I Leather-like substance. This is there. There's a couple of puzzles. That might be Green's hand. It does bear some resemblance, but I'm not sure, and I'm not sure I'll be able to to prove it. To uh, it's very believe lovely. that it's lovely, isn't it? It's very small, it's fine. Too, yeah, and his hand was like that, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure that's him or not. Yeah, 1925 Sometimes Oxford my, Poetry my, uh, for Franklin. Collector got a little carried away. Uh, he's got a Alice Monroe inscribed to Bob. Poor Bob, good wishes, Alice Monroe. Well, the book is dedicated to Bob Weaver, and of course, he was uh, very important in her life. Mm-hmm. And my collectors think this is probably the dedication copy, and I said, "Well, you know, really, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. If it were, I think you might say something more than good wishes, you know, because this is a bit of a debt. He, yeah, yeah, he he, uh, he championed her very early on. He and, did. Uh, In fact, I interviewed about six months ago. Her last name is Naves, and she wrote a kind of a biography scrapbook of Bob Weaver uh-huh. for Vehicle Press. He was really influential, wasn't he? He was a real champion of Canadian literature. He was, yeah. yeah. And they bought, like, he paid money at a time when nobody would pay anything. Okay, I've got two more questions for you. 
The first one is, is anyone collecting the Governor General's uh, literary awards? Well, I was. I am, too. I had uh, a great collection, and I sold it to the greatest collection, Andrew Irving, UBC philosophy prof. You sold the the full run? I sold them all of mine, which the, the strength of it was the early ones. Yeah. Because he's done a thorough job of of getting all the uh, later ones, and he, he's now published in hardcover a bib of it. That's right. That's Ottawa U. It's just, yeah, it's just come out. Yeah, I just ordered my copy. So that was great. I had a really good collection. Uh, I wasn't as thorough. Well, the one book that's that it's impossible to get, for me anyway, is The Dark Weaver. Yeah, I had that. You did have that? Oh, yeah. <laughs> of course you had that. It's pretty hard to find that, or you got extra copies of that hanging around. Mine was in jacket inscribed. Was it okay? Is that but all? it was bought so long ago right. that it was still possible to find that book. Yeah. Uh, now it's just sort of vanished. It's funny the reassessments of things from that period. Little Man by Salins. Got that? Yeah. I see crazy prices on that book. Yeah. I remember in my earliest days when I went to the Cripple Civilians Bookstore to stock my uh, store. Mm-hmm. That book was always there, and it was it might as well had poison written on it. Like, do not buy this book. That was the <laughs> conventional wisdom. Right. And now it's it's sort of dried up, and you see these fancy prices, and I, I can't bring myself to believe in them. I recently sold a manuscript for that book. The family mm-hmm. contacted me, and the typescript and actually it went to Andrew so uh, that's a curious coincidence so it sounds to me though if this if that particular book is is getting some decent prices or at least people are putting prices on yeah. it there is a demand for this collection. well I don't see a lot of copies for sale somebody yeah. they must be going somewhere and yeah. God knows it was very common things you know when you've been in business a long time it that happens. Books yeah. that you used to see all over the place, now you don't see them anymore. They can't have done very many of them. Mm. Uh, have you read it? No. I, of course not. Sort I, of, I collect. I don't read it. Yeah, well, it might be worth a read. It's got a lot mm. of social uh, history in a volatile time. A guy come back from the war and might be worth a read. Mm. It's the kind of book that maybe ought to be reprinted mm. in some kind of... At least a social document. Uh. That's the thing about the collection of the the, the Gigi's uh, fiction literary awards. You look through the the dust jackets; they're, they're gorgeous. They're like there's a lovely selection of uh, dust jackets on that on all those books. Gives you a, a kind of an overview of what's going on on in Canadian book uh, design over the years. You got you got the Bertram Brooker. I do, but not in jacket. Mm, and little, I got that. Little much to hope for. What's that? That's a little much to hope for. Yeah, just the yeah. day copies. I was so know. thrilled. I'll tell you, I I just found it online. This was years ago. This yeah. was probably ten years ago. Yeah. I just found it. Uh, I was I put, plugged it into Google, and then this yeah. this dealer came up, and he had he had hundreds of books just listed uh, one after the other and I was just scrolling through them and bang there it was he didn't know what he had yeah certainly one of that and the the Salverson are real stoppers now you know do you get people calling you up saying I collect GG no not really 
I don't get many people calling me about anything except willing to sell me junk. Uh, <laughs> like uh, me. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, last question, and that has to actually has to do with book design. I'm I'm kind of interested in the the evolution of Canadian book design. So the idea is to start off with McDonald's father and son Thoreau, mm -hmm. and then Betty Sutherland was important in the fifties. Then Frank Neufeld, also Robert Reed, Gordon Robertson. I, I just wonder if you've given any thought to uh, Canadian book design over the years. Uh, sparingly. I'm not a very visual person. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I do pay some attention. I, you know, sometimes I get a funny old book and I say, mind this, this binding is awful nice. Who could have possibly done this, you know? And... Uh, like we're looking at Leslie Reed there, but that's not going to be a Canadian who did that, so there's no mm -hmm. point. But, uh, yeah, once in a while I'm able to figure out something, uh, you know, a designer. Uh, there's, there's a lot of work that could be done in that in that area, you know. Uh, we know of a lot of Group of Seven work, uh, you know, they're all pretty, books, pretty yeah. obvious. Like Lauren Harris, there was one... Big book that he did, right? I can't, I can't remember the name of it. Uh, well, don't ask me the title, uh, but uh, yeah, uh, Varley did did a lot. Uh, a certain number of uh, dust jackets or end papers, that kind of stuff. Both, right? Title, title pages. Yeah. Like I just uh, sold somebody a uh, copy of. There was a little. Uh, anthology in 1921-22 uh, from the Toronto Women's Press Club. It's a little collection of verse by members, and one of whom was Ellen Montgomery. So one of them has two poems, the other edition has one poem, and they're still pretty common, those books, mm. and not expensive. But I'm looking at that their logo, and I said, Sid Farley, sure looks like him. And there in this tiny print at the bottom, and he had a certain way of signing out. Yeah, it sounded all right. Mm. You know? Mm. Uh, yeah. His signature's kind of spread out and fine-lined. So, you know, you know, just... Gosh, I wish I... St I guess I sold that. There was one I really desperately wanted to... It was a beautiful Art Nouveau design on a Canadian novel from a period you don't really see much that's really tasteful, really first rate. Uh, I never figured out who could have done that. It really haunted me. So there's lots of stuff out there, I'm sure, that's just, just totally unrecognized besides the obvious names. Well, and that's what makes living uh, in Canada and being a bibliophile uh kind of fun because there isn't a lot of work that's No, done. you get to be a pioneer and contribute. Yeah. You know, what other sort of endeavor can you as an amateur actually contribute to serious scholarship just on your own? There's not so, you know, mm -hmm. the Governor General's uh, collection that I started, you know, and I you know, I've, I worked out a lot of bibliography on, on my way through that, you know, and and Andrew built on that, and uh, now he's got a pretty definitive take on it all. Is that just the literary, or is it all uh, all of them? Well, just sorry, just the fiction. 
No, no, he's doing all the the literary awards. uh, Poetry and... Kids books, French, you know, the whole whole thing, yeah. Okay. Um, Oh, great. Well, that's, uh, yeah, and that's just come out, right? Yeah, I just I have my copy hasn't come yet. Come yeah. by Canada Post, or oh, is dear. it? Did they ship it by courier? I'm not sure. All right, all right. Excellent. Well, thanks for uh, sharing what? your enthusiasm about uh, these lost Canadian titles. Uh, that's uh, that's really interesting. Probably the most interesting thing about our conversation. It is to me. Yeah. Well, enough for me too. But I'm immersed in this stuff. You know, this is. Yeah, just kind of a typical lot of uh, stuff. Uh, Excellent. Can't wait for that Frank Pruitt to come. It's coming from England, and in the post, who knows? I might see it by February. <laughs> That's right. Well, I think I like they're back to, to work now, aren't they? But they've got like a million backlog or something. They're not happy. I think they're work, <laughs> right. working to rule and whatever. You right. Know. Right. Yeah. So I. Stuff's moving, yeah, sure, but I quit shipping through them for a while, and I may stay that way. Hmm. Already, they already lost my U.S. business a long time ago. I use the U.S. post office. And what do you do? Go down to the states and ship it? From no, there? I use a service. Uh, I can borrow them uh, to uh, fill in Williamstown, right on the border, and we're a small fee. He, Takes them across. I'm not going to go down there. No, no. And uh, there's chit chats, which I've just signed up with, and they do that as well. I got to get off a shipment today. I got to ship those off today. Yeah. Well, that's always a nice uh, task, shipping stuff off to clients that have bought books from you. Yeah, come to good money, that one. Yeah. So, what are we going to do about these books? I got to assess them right now, or yeah, I, if you, I don't know what, what kind of time you got. Let, let me just uh, sign off by saying that uh, Stephen Temple is a antiquarian book dealer based in uh, Welland, Ontario. Thanks again for your time. Thank you, Nigel.